We are um, in a series or a group of teachings called Summer at the Gathering. And um, I wanted to start with a story um, because I love uh, telling stories for whatever reason. They're just fun to remember. But I, I, I was thinking about this message that I felt like uh, God's been teaching me for a while. And um, it brought me back to uh, fourth grade. Um, little fourth grade Mikey um, back in the 90s. It was awesome. And I remember fourth grade because um, it, was, it was a big year for me. Um, I have three older brothers, and so my brothers um, were always um, in the school with me, but they were always going like before me, so I was kind of having to fill their shoes. Um, like one time, um, you know, my, uh, my Spanish teacher, Miss Nix, um, I was with her for a while. I'll tell you why. But I remember one time, um, she, uh, years later, she was at a, a speaking engagement with Morgan, and Morgan's like, oh, hey, um, I think you were my, my husband's Spanish teacher um, back in Tomball High School. And she's like, oh, really? What's your last name? She's like, Holmes. And she's like, oh, John. And he's, she's like, no, 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 it's Mikey. And she goes, oh, how is Mikey? It was like a real, like, it immediately went to like this concern of like, how is he? Like, is he doing okay? Like, um, she taught Spanish one. I took her class four times. It's fine. But um, that's not the point. Um, but I was fourth grade. I was on my own. Like, I was the, uh, the, home, the only homes on, uh, on campus. I was, the, I was the king of the, um, I don't know, king of the crop. I don't know. I was, I was, the kid. I was there and I, I was so excited. Like I was, I was thrilled. I was just like, I don't have to live up, live up to my brother's um, shoes or expectations. I could just be my own boy, you know, whatever. And so I remember sitting in class. Um, um, I remember it was, uh, it was a few weeks after school started and something happened. I got a girlfriend. <laughs> Woo! It was the first time I'd had a girlfriend, and I was pumped. And so what, what do we do? We go home. We tell, I tell my brothers. I'm like, brothers, listen to this. And they're like, doubt it. Um, and then my, I talked to my parents, and we sat down. Um, how many remember in the 90s what we ate for dinner? It was Hamburger Helper. It was fantastic. Uh, triple cheese, Hamburger Helper. Sat down at the dinner table. Um, my brothers had already heard the story, and they were like, whatever. Sat in front of my parents. I said, parents, I got a girlfriend. And my parents were a little bit puzzled, and they were like, you got a girlfriend? Well, what's her name? And so I told her her name, and they're like, okay, well, what do you like about her? And I told her what I like, and like, what does she like about you? And I told her, and... Like, what does a girlfriend in fourth grade really mean? Like, we don't even understand what that means. And, and I kind of explained it, and they're like, okay, whatever. And I carry on. I eat my hamburger helper and go to bed proud. A couple days go by, and come home, dinner table, hamburger helper, triple cheese. Parents, I got another girlfriend. They were like, what? Like, my, that doesn't, oh, okay. What's her name? I told her her name. What, is she, what, do you, what does she like about you? She likes I'm nice. She laughs at my jokes. I hold the door for her. What do you like about her? Or, uh, you know, what do you, I was like, ah, she's got pretty hair. She's shorter than me. Really, just important things. Like, 
And they're like, okay, well, what, is, what does a girlfriend in fourth grade really mean? Like, and I tried to explain it, and they're like, okay. A couple days go by. I come home, hamburger helper, dinner, brothers, family. I have another girlfriend. And now my parents at this point were just now like concerned about just my future. They're like, oh my gosh, what have we raised? Like he is a womanizer and we aren't sure. So they begin to ask more questions. They're like, Mikey, okay, what's her name? What do you like about her? What does she like about you? What's a fourth grade girlfriend even about? Um, Mikey, what, how does it work? Like, how does this work? Or does she get upset with you when you're talking to other girls? And I'm like, no. And I was like, okay, um, do you, does she, is she, like, does she know these other girls? And I'm like, yeah, she knows them. They're friends. And she's like, they're okay. They're all okay. And I was like, yeah, they're fine. And she's like, well, does she, and they're like, okay, well, does she know your, her boyfriend? And I said, no, they, she doesn't know that we're dating. Like, she doesn't know that I'm actually saying that she's my girlfriend to other people. I've actually never even talked to her. I've, I've never even like seen, I've seen her, but I don't actually talk to her. And they're like, oh, got it. So you don't actually talk to these girls that are your girlfriend. And I was like, no, I'm not that confident. Are you kidding me? They're girls. I don't talk to girls. No. And so, and I was thinking about that story and I was thinking about that story for, for the church. I was thinking about that for my life and my, and just for me. And I was I was convicted. And I was convicted because I was, as I was thinking through this story, I was like, it was, it was such a weird uh, remembrance that, you know, being in elementary school, um, I was thinking about like, oh, there was no internet even back then. Like, remember those days? Like, there was no internet. Um, there was like a cell phone, but it was, in the, it was in like a bag. And like the bag was in your car. And like, anybody remember those? I don't know. And I remember just like how much, how much has changed since then. I was also thinking about just even in my lifetime, like the, the drastic changes that have happened in, in our world. Um, you know, I remember being, uh, being that same age at five, six, seven, eight, nine. I don't, how old are you? I don't know how old you're in fourth grade. But I remember flying to New York and seeing my family. And, and I remember like back then you could fly. And like when you landed, like your whole family was like right at the gate as you walked out. And now 9-11, it just changed everything, probably for the better, safety-wise. And, and that's great. But, but I was just thinking about all these things that have changed. I th- thought about COVID, how COVID's changed everything how political um, stances and, and racial injustices and, and just everything that has been changing over these, these, just these past few decades and thinking about like, what is the priority in all of it? What is the priority in all of these things, all these world-shaking, world-crashing things? What, what's the priority in it all? And I was thinking about us that for us and that, you know, as a church, we've got values. We've got um, just core values that we believe in. And one of them this morning for us is, is people are our priority. People are our priority. And through all of these different changes and through all of these different world-shaking events and world-crashing things that have happened, have people remained our priority in the midst of it? As a church, have people remained our priority? I love this verse in John. 
John 13. It's verse 34, and it says, Jesus is now speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to the 11. Um, They're at the Last Supper, and um, Judas has just left to go do what Judas is going to do. And he's sitting with his disciples, and and he gives um, what I believe is the only commandment that he gives. And he says, a new command I give you. A new commandment I give you, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so I love this. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's got minutes left with these men. He's got minutes, maybe, a, maybe an hour left with these men. And the message that he's trying to get across to them is saying, people are priorities still. In the midst of everything going on, in the midst of of everything that's about to happen, you're going to see some crazy things. But he's saying, but remember this. Remember, love one another. That is the important, that is the primary thing is to love people. And by this, people will know that you are my disciples if, if, if you have love for them. In my heart, and what God's been just convicting me of, this is that of, are we as the church treating the world just like I did my girlfriends in fourth grade where, where I like them, I care about them, I have the feelings towards them, but I've actually never said anything to them. What would happen if we, if we got a camera and we're like, you know what, we're going to go to Asheville, the city of Asheville, downtown. We're just going to walk around the streets and we're going to say, hey, what is the church's priority? What is, what, is, what is the Christian church's priority if we ask just random people? And my fear is, is that their response would be, well, the last time I went, it was about money. Their priority is probably money. Or maybe it's power. Or maybe it's being right. Or maybe it's fill in the blank. But would, would, the, would our culture, would, would, would our city even look at the church and say, the priority of the church is me? I don't think so. And that breaks my heart. And I think that breaks Jesus' heart too as, he, as he's looking out at his, his guys and he's saying, hey, a new commandment I give you. The reason I'm giving you this new commandment is because the way that it's been done is wrong. The way that the Pharisees and the religious leaders have been doing it is wrong. And so I want to give you a new commandment. Say, hey, here's the commandment. Love people. Love people. Make them your priority. Make them the priority. Love them. And that's, our, that's one of our values here at the church is that people are our priority. But I think for some of us, they become a fourth grade girlfriend. Follow me on that? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a story, a real popular, very popular story, and I want to give us three ways that we can make people our priority. We can make people, we can show people true love that, that will actually um, reveal that we're, we're followers of Jesus. And so if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew Matthew 14, Matthew 14, verse 13. The title of it is, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. It says, now this, now when Jesus heard this, 
he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. So using this story, I want us to talk about what does it look like to make people our priority? What does it look like to, to follow in this new commandment that Jesus is saying to love one another? And the first thing is this, don't send away your priority. Don't send away your priority. Think about this story is that um, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the backstory of what's actually going on right before he feeds the 5,000. But, but what happens is, is that, that, that Jesus is sending his disciples out to go and to minister, to go and to minister to the, to the surrounding towns. He's doing two by two. He's doing all these things. And then something happens that draws them back together. And that's that John the Baptist is beheaded. Uh, John the Baptist was a dear friend to Jesus. He was a dear, he was a close, um, close um, knit, just people. They, like, that was his guy. Like he, he loved John the Baptist. And when, when the disciples came back and they said, Jesus, we just got John's body and we buried it. And, and Jesus's response was, is, let's go to a desolate place. Let's go and get in a boat and let's go to a desolate place and let's recharge. Let's just rest. Let's mourn. But what happens is that they're met they're met with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. As soon as, he, as soon as he gets there, he sees the crowds funneling in and he's just like, ugh. And immediately what happens is that the disciples are beginning to want to send them away. They know, that, they know what's coming. They know in just a few hours, these people are going to get hungry. They're going to get hangry. They're going to want to eat and we don't have enough to help them. And so we need to just send them away, send them on their way because we're mourning too. We're hurting too. We've got some things that we need as well. And so, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Don't send away your priority. Don't send people away. I think we have, we as, as people, we as Christians, we are, we are really good at justifying sending people away. And I don't think we do it intentionally. I don't think we do it because we're wicked. I don't think we do it because we just hate people. I think, I think there's two, two ways that I thought of. There's probably a hundred more. But one is, is that we disqualify ourselves. And in disqualifying ourselves, we send other people away. Meaning that we think that we know what we've gone through. We know that we're broken. We know that we've got sin deep, deep in our hearts. We know that we are not living it up the way that we're supposed to. We're not even following the Ten Commandments. You know, we're, we are struggling. 
Or maybe we're just tired and we're, we're mourning and we are just in a season and a funk and we just don't know what to do. And so we disqualify ourselves and say, I don't have the skill set needed to minister to these people. I don't have the emotional stature to minister to these people. And so I need to disqualify myself and just say, hey, you guys got to go. You got to go get your own bread. I, I can't help you. We send people away because we immediately just disqualify ourselves and saying, because I'm hurting, I can't help. Because I'm not smart enough, I can't help. Because I don't preach like John Mark or sing like Morgan, then I can't be a minister to other people. We disqualify ourselves. And I'm saying that no, we don't disqualify, we don't send away our priorities. The other thing is, is we we may not disqualify ourselves. Maybe it's that we think they're the problem. Another way we send people away is we think they are the problem. The best way I can explain it is driving on 26. Come on, they are the problem. Like someone gets in a fender bender and now there's like a thousand people in line behind them because there was this one issue that happened and, and whatever. But, we, but so often what happens as the church is that, that we get into our, 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 our ruts or we get into our, our tunnel vision to where we begin to think and, and live and act and, do, and we begin to see, well, when p- other people are not the way I am, then they're the problem. If they don't vote the way I vote, then they're the problem. If they don't think the way I think, then they're the problem. If they don't believe the way I believe, then they're the problem. And I think what's happening sometimes to some of us is that we're getting into this place to where the, it's, it's, we, we feel like the, the world kind of revolves around us and everyone else is kind of a, a supporting role in our movie. And when we get into that place, then they become the problem. When we drive, go through a drive-through and and it's not fast enough, they messed up my my latte. They 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 did, and, and it becomes you're just inconveniencing me. Then they become the problem, and what we do is we send people away. My heart is is that Jesus is saying, no, watch how I interact with people that are desperate. Watch how I interact with a world that is desperately coming after me. How do I know they're desperate? How many parents in here know that if you're going to take your family and you're going to travel and you're going to run to a desolate place with no food and you're going to wait there as long as possible with no food, how many know that the only reason you do that is if you're desperate to get whatever's there? What I'm thinking and what I'm feeling is is that that there is a world that is desperately searching for answers, desperately searching for love and compassion. And what we do is we just get, we disqualify ourselves or we just, we think they're the problem. Well, you're acting like a non-Christian. They are non-Christians. And so it's like, okay, that's, let's not send them away. Jesus said, I have compassion on them. And then he heals them and he begins to teach them for hours on hours. He says, I'm hurting. Jesus is hurting. His, 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 close, his close friend, relative John the Baptist, is, has, has died. And not only died, but it died a gruesome death. And Jesus is hurting and he doesn't even get a chance to just mourn. But he gets met with a desperate world saying, we need more. And Jesus says, okay. I'm not going to send you away. What I'm going to do, I'm going to have compassion. And I'm going to heal. 
first way we can, we can, we can show our, this world that we love them is by not sending them away. The second one is this. Second one is this. Give what you have. How do we show the world we love them? How do we make them our priority as we give what we have? Matthew 14, verse 16 again says, But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We, only, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. The next thing is, is we give them, we give people what we do have. And I know for some of us right now, we're, we're, we're maybe thinking, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything that I can offer. Again, I'm not, I'm not talented. I'm not skilled. I'm an introvert. I, I don't, I, I'm scared to talk to people. I believe that every single one of us have something to give. Yeah something to offer, even if it's just five loaves and two fish, even if it's just a, a tiny bit of things, we have something to offer. The world is desperately asking and seeking, and so we have something to offer them. There's, I have a list of things that I was thinking about saying, you know what, what are some, what are some things that, that are free and that take no skill that we all have and we all can offer? The first one is this, be nice. That's it, just be nice. Um, the second is be on time. Respect people's time by just showing up and being on time. Be engaged. Be engaged in conversation and listen with your ears and your face. You know what I mean? Like when we're in a conversation with someone, we've got, we, this world is, is, is information overload. And so the hardest thing for so many of us is to just have one conversation with one human being with four eyes connecting looking at each other, just listening. But how much, how much just uh, care does that show to people? When you're just listening, you're just, you're just listening and, and listening to their stories and, and listening to what they're saying and, and you're looking in their eyes and, and not just waiting for a response where you can just kind of jump in and like give them your response to whatever you're talking about or, or move the conversation completely to something else, but, but you're just listening and you're just taking it in and just saying, okay, tell me more. Let's try those words sometime where we just say, tell me more. Tell me more about your life. Tell me more about why you are in this situation. Tell me more about what's going on. We listen. And Jesus is saying, we can give that. We can listen and be engaged. The next is uh, be honorable. We can honor people. We can show honor to people that don't deserve it. Come on, we can, we can show honor to people that don't deserve it. Now, granted, to trust someone is a whole nother level where you don't, we, we aren't saying Put your trust in the people. We are saying honor, meaning we don't have to talk bad about people. We can just show them honor. Make eye contact. We can not complain. I love, I've been seeing so many like commercials where it's like making fun of like our, our parents where they're like, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. You know, you ever heard of those? Like, it's so hot out here. It's not the heat, but it's the humidity that makes it so hot. And 
And I was just thinking about like that for me, like I'm just like, so it's so natural for me to complain. Like it's so natural for me just to complain about my surroundings or it's too hot or it's too cold or I can't wait for it to get hot again. And then I can't wait for it to not be so hot or whatever it may be. We just complain. What would that, what would the message be different? How how different would that message be if we as Christians were saying, you know what, I'm just not going to complain. I'm just going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to begin to speak life back into this dead world. I'm going to begin to speak life and not complain about the world, but I'm going to speak honorably about it. I'm going to speak life about it. I'm going to speak life about the situations that I'm in and I'm going to enjoy my coworkers. I'm going to enjoy the fact that I get to have a job and I get to do what I'm doing. We're not complaining anymore. We're just speaking life. We have patience. We work hard. We shut down gossip. We don't just not engage in gossip, but we shut down gossip. We show respect. We pray. We fast. We all have something that we can give. We all have something that we are holding on saying, you know what? It's just five loaves and two fish, but I'm going to give what I do have. I'm going to give what I do have to this world that is desperate around me. I'm going to give what I do have, even if I don't think it's a lot. And the last one is this. Number three, give what you don't have. Give what you don't have. Verse 18, Jesus saying, bring them to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heavens and said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to disciples And the disciples gave them to the crowds. The third way we we show the world that there are priorities, we give what we don't have. What do I mean by that? I find it very interesting that if you read Mark's um, take on this same story of the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark 6, um, if you go to, if you're, a little bit, if you go to Mark 6 though, it's it's Jesus, it's it's him like kind of talking to his guys and he's talking to his crew and he's saying, hey, we're about to go on these missions. We're about to do this stuff. Um, don't take any bread with you. Don't take any money with you. And don't take any bags with you. And then fast forward, what do they need? They need bread. They need bags and they need money. Because what happens is, is that Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to give what you don't have. Meaning, what you need, I'm going to give you, but then you're going to turn and you're going to give that then to the world. I think Jesus is trying to teach them a deeper message here saying, hey, I'm actually, I'm actually instructing you to not bring with you what you're actually going to need to feed the 5,000 because I know that if you bring what you can carry, it's only going to feed about 40 people. And then there's like 4,000 other people that don't get any food because you only brought in your power what you can bring. And he's saying, no, 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 no. But I want, what I want to do is I want to show you that when you bring and you give what you don't have, I'm going to multiply it over and over and over and over. And so what we do is we come into church. We come here and we say, you know what, Jesus, I need, I need a touch from you. I need you to remind me that you're real. I need to remind me that, that you care about me and that you have compassion on me and that you've, you have blotted out my sins and you have redeemed me and you have shown me love and patience and kindness. And we rest in that. 
And then we get up and we go into the desperate world and we say, hey, world, here is kindness. Here is passion. Here is love. Here is compassion. Here's everything that I didn't have that I now have because I met with the source. Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you how to reach the world with feeding of the 5,000. Bring to me what you do have and let me give you what you don't have so that you can feed the entire world. He's saying, bring to me what you don't have. You don't have bread. You don't have fish. Come to me. And I love it. He says, because I, I think about this, like Jesus is God, like right, right, Jesus is God. So God could have done this differently. If I was God, I would have I shown off. I would have. If it was like 5,000, 10,000 people, I'm like, watch this, you know, or whatever. And, and I'd have had some bread fall from the sky, some like shoot out of cannon, some fish like just jump out of like grass or whatever. And I'd have just made it real cool. God put a different route. It's fine. <laughs> He's right. But what did he do? He said, no, no. What I want to do is, he said, I'm going to duplicate what you don't have. And then I'm going to give it to you. And then you're going to then give it to people. What this is called is the church. The church is designed as people, as our priority. That we come into this place and we come into this, these moments or we go to our small groups or we read our scriptures and we pray and we, and we ask God for what we need and we, we plead for God to forgive and to give us what we need so that we once we receive it, then we can take it and give it away freely. We give what we don't have that shows people are our priority. And that the people in our life that, that hurt, that hurt us, that are mean to us, that don't understand us, that we feel like are just getting away with everything. We say, you know what? I don't, I don't have the ability to have patience with you right now, but give me a minute. I'm gonna go to Jesus. Okay, I got it now. I'm gonna come back. I've got patience. I've got care. I've got mercy. That's what we're supposed to do as the church is keep people, no matter what, as our priority. And the way we do that is with words. We do that with intentional words and actions. How many know that just because I was nice, those girls had no idea that they were my girlfriend? <laughs> Those girls had no idea because I was holding the door that they, that they were my girlfriend or that I wasn't using curse words or whatever it might be that we think is our Christian thing. It wasn't because I wasn't doing something, but it was because, well, I didn't ever date them. But it, what our world needs to see is we need to use words and say, the reason why I'm nice, the reason why I have pa uh, uh, compassion and patience and mercy and grace and love for you is not because I had it myself. It's because I got it from Jesus and now I'm giving it to you. And we tell them, here's this, here's this, the gospel of the, of the scriptures is saying, Jesus also loves you that way. And I know for some of us in here, you're hearing this and you're just thinking, yeah, but I'm just desperate. I'm actually desperate to get some Jesus. 
Or maybe someone is in here this morning that, that you've never actually, you've never experienced that relationship with Jesus. You've never experienced Jesus as that Savior that, that we talk about, that we, that we, that we just worship, and, and you just don't know him in that way. And you're, maybe you're one of those 5,000 that are just there saying, hey, Jesus, I need you. I need something. I need something from you. Can I tell you, this is where you should be. This is why we're here. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're here is because we want people to know Jesus. If that's you this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. And, and I would encourage you to, to pray as well, to speak to Jesus and to ask him for what you need. And maybe if, if you don't have the words, then use the words I use. But it starts with a starts with it, you responding to Jesus and saying, I, I accept your offer of salvation. Jesus. Jesus. Here I am. I need you. I am desperate for you. I need you to to bring meaning and life and purpose and redemption back into my life. I need you to be my, to be my God, to be my King, to be my Savior. Jesus, I give you my life. I, I offer you my life. I accept the free gift of salvation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.